This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. Lord, I thank you for those whom you've brought to this house. Thank you for the obedience to empower your work to move forward. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because they will not lack any good thing in the name of Jesus. And I pray, O oh God, that any challenge in their lives, be it financial challenge or relationship challenges or academic challenges or marital challenges, Father, I speak upon it that you take charge, O oh God, because they are obedient to you, God, in giving towards your work, Lord, you will show yourself strong on their behalf and cause them to see good in this land. For your name alone to be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I want to quickly talk about what I've titled Creative Worship. Creative worship. And talking about creative worship, what does that bring to your mind straight away? Just hearing creative worship. Dancing. Great. That's fantastic. What else does it bring to your mind? Sorry? Holy Spirit. But creative worship. Now, Whilst we think about the artistic part of our worship, I want us to consider the heart behind our worship. The heart behind our worship. And at times, the heart behind our worship is either, for some of us, just physical. I just want to be there so that they can see me. Or I'm there to worship God in a different form, in a different way. But you see, how creative do we become when we worship God? How creative? How creative do we bring something new? Or do we just maintain the standard of our worship? And when I'm talking about worship, I'm not only just talking about your singing and clapping and dancing. There are some of us who are not open to singing in public. We can sing in the shower. It's okay. But when there are two or more people, we just go, you know, quiet. And some of us are not open to dancing either. But that's not to say you're not worshiping. That's not to say you're not worshipping, you're worshipping. There are some of us who come into the house and while the song is going on, you're flat on your face. That's brilliant. That's worshipping. But that is not to say the one that is flat on his face is a better worshipper than the one that is not singing. Are you still here? Because at times, we might demonstrate it physically, which I do encourage that we demonstrate it physically. But it's 
usually and most importantly about the heart. All right. So that is the um, one part of our worship. But another part of our worship is the way we live our lives. Because we are God's children. We belong to God. In other words, whatever we do with our lives is our form of worship to God. The way we speak to other people. The way we help other people. The way we even think about other people is our form of worship to God. Because worship is not one of the things that we do. It is our life. So let's think about this guy, David. You know, David is the guy that we, everyone, almost everyone, I'd say, we know him as the man after God's heart. But why? Why is he the man after God's heart? Why is he the man that, that's always thinking about God? Why is he the man that's always looking out for what God wants or what God likes? And that is not to say that because he's the man after God's heart, he didn't make his own mistakes. He had made massive mistakes. Actually, one of the ones that you hear and go, how come God likes him? Because he made really, really horrible mistakes. But thank God there were mistakes. First, or sorry, Second Samuel chapter 7. And most of us may have heard this story before. Chapter 7, Second Samuel. Now here he's talking about the King David. He said, after the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest, say with me, rest, rest. from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan, the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. So here I am. I'm living in the palace, house of cedar, Beautiful house. Some people are trying to buy houses, first home buyers, right? They are looking for $550,000 houses. And then it's very difficult to even get that. You probably might even be two-bedroom units. But there are some who just goes crazy and go for $2.5 million house, $10 million house. Same house, only one room they will sleep in. You know that? It's only one room in that whole house they will sleep in. It's the same amount of food that you in one bedroom unit will eat that they will eat. They can't eat gold. But you see, at times it's good enough to, to think about where you are now and ask questions, ask creative questions. And that was where David was at. David had finished fighting his battles. God had settled him somehow. Said the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. He said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in the house of Cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, 
Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. I'll just read through it so that we can make the analysis later. But that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant, David. This is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture from ten and the flock and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great. Quite interesting. So now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people, Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning I've, ne- I've done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people, Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. And went ahead and ahead and ahead and ahead. But basically, he was telling David, David, Interesting that you thought about building a house. But not you. However, I will settle you. I will make everything well for you. I will give you peace all around. And that's quite interesting. But why would he say that to David? One of the things that I found out, David had a heart to build a house for God. Just a few verses down, you realize that God said, but I've been everywhere with the children of Israel, and no one in their own smartness has ever thought about building me a house. And instead, I've been living in a tent. You know what a tent is, right? A tent. This is the most ridiculous place you'd like to live. He said, but instead, I've been living in a tent, and it's normal. So him... God, his presence, being in a tent, was normal. Even when there were rulers and then commanders and now kings in Israel, God's presence was always living in a tent until David. And do you realize that he didn't tell David, David, how about you think about what you can do for me? No, David became creative in his mind. And went, hmm, I'm thinking, I've been thinking. What can I do? What can I do? So he went to, to Nathan, the prophet, and said to Nathan, Nathan, I've just realized where I live. I, I realize that I, I live in a palace made with cedars. But God's presence is still in a tent. And Nathan said, whatever you feel good about doing, just go ahead and do it. Why? Because Nathan recognized that David has become creative in his mind in terms of his worship to God. He became creative. So what can I do? 
that has never been done before. What can I do that no one has ever thought about? How many of us think that way today? About what you can do to move the gospel forward that no one else has ever thought about? Are you innovative in your worship or you are just cruising with the standard worship? You wake up in the morning, thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving me a job for this and that and that, and thank you for my family, thank you for my wife, thank you for everyone around me. And then, thank you for my Titan offering. As long as you are able to attend church, you know, once or two days a week, that's okay, right? And then you pray in the morning and night, that's okay. And then you are a nice person, that's okay. But God is looking for someone who will be creative in their worship. Who will be creative. Who will be innovative in their worship. David was the kind of person. And when God started saying, David, do you think you're going to build me a house? He said, but I've never really needed one. I've never really needed one. Actually, no one ever thought about that. But you are the first person to think about it. And later on, he said, you know what? I'm going to establish you in a way that will blow your mind. You see, that word wouldn't come to David if David had not become innovative. It wouldn't come to him. And that was where God started to, to establish his covenant with David. And you know, at this time, this was chapter 7. At this time, Solomon had not come into the picture Solomon had not. Solomon he only came into the picture later on. Chapter 11. Oh, probably not. Actually, in chapter 11, Solomon had not even come into the picture. It was Solomon's mom that came into the picture in chapter 11. So, David had not even had his own terrible affairs with Bathsheba. At this time, when he said, God, come on, I want to do something. I want to do something. I'm feeling comfortable, but I realize that your house still looked like a pigsty. I want to do something. I want to start being creative. You know, there are some things that you don't even have to pray about that just happens because your, your worship has become creative. You always have God in your mind. You see, we always prefer God to have us in his mind. You know, we are always thankful, you know, God is mindful of me, right? God is mindful of me. In other words, God's mind is full of me. And we sing it. I know that God is mindful of me. Yeah, but how about you? Are you mindful of God? Are you always thinking about him? And that song goes ahead. Always thinking of me, never leave me lonely. God is mindful of me. Are you always thinking about him? Are you always thinking, how do I make my worship right? How do I bring in a worship that I've never brought in before? How do I move beyond the normal, the standard worship? How do I? Have you asked yourself that? Because it's important for us to start to see God from a different perspective. He deserves everything we can give. And if you can be creative in your worship, there is nothing else that you cannot be creative in. God has given us an innovative mind. He has. 
You see, after that, someone else came into the picture. And his name was Solomon. It runs in the family. If you're creative, if you're innovative, there's a likelihood that your children will be. And if you set a new benchmark in your family, there's a likelihood that that new benchmark will be where your, your family, your children will start from. It's true. There's a likelihood. I'm not saying it's always like that, but there's a likelihood. And that is why the scripture tells us, it says, train up a child in the way they should go, that when they are grown up, they won't depart from it. Because when you set a standard for them, that's where their own life begins. Of course, there are some children who just decide, you know what? I'm just going to be rebellious. I'm just going to be rebellious. Ah, you see, that rebellion, it didn't come out of nothing. It came from somewhere, too. You check yourself. There's a little part of you that possibly is rebellious. But thank God you kept it down. And the kids just look at your life and go, hmm, I like that. How many of us, I'm not sure about you, but for me, this was how it was. When I was younger, and I see my dad, you know, do what he did, I always wanted to be like my dad. And probably some of you, some adults in your life, when you were younger, that you'd wanted to be like. People who were really involved, invested in your life. That you go, I want to be like this person. And there was a profession I wanted to take on when I was younger. Guess what it was? As a nurse. Do you know why? Back in those days, there's this hat that nurses wear. That white, you know, square hat. Quite disappointing. No nurse wear those hats these days. And every time, if you remember, this pack, pack of um, sugar, those cube, um, you know, cube, St. Louis, right? Or those days. You know, I used to keep those packs for myself when the sugar empties out, so I keep those packs. And in the morning, I cut out the, the, the back of it and place it on my head and look at the mirror. A nurse in the making. And, and the reason it was because there were nurses in the family who used to come visiting after work. So I look at them and go, well, they look gorgeous. They look amazing. I want to be a nurse. And I want to be like my dad, too. So we kind of put so many things together. So at times, it just runs in the family. It also depends on what you are exposed to. So Solomon came into the picture, and he didn't think differently from his father. And if you think about Solomon's life, you realize that even the mistakes that he made was, has always also been in the family. But it depends on what you capitalize on. But this part of Solomon that I'm about to talk about was the one that was innovative. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1. I say, Solomon, son of David, established himself firmly over his kingdom, for the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. Now David had brought up the ark of God from Kiriath-Jerim to the place he had prepared for it, because he had pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. But the bronze altar that Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Har, had made was in Gibeon in front of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Solomon and the assembly inquired of him there. Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in a tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered God, you have shown great kindness to, to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, usually, 
when he's meant to give an offering, it's just probably one, one bull, one goat, whatever it is. One. But this time, he went to seek out. He went to seek out where is this holy place. I want to make an offering. And when he came, he didn't make an offering of just one bull or one goat. He made a thousand. Innovative worship. Creative worship. It used to be like this. Are you that person who feels like, well, if no other person is doing it like that, let's just stick to it. If it isn't broken, why fix it? But are you also the kind of person who always asks creative questions? Creative questions. We've done this. But isn't there a way we could do it better? Don't just ask the question and leave it in the air. Because if you are the one asking the question, you should have a bit of an answer to it. Don't just ask the questions and leave it in the air because two perceptions of asking those questions is either creative or critical. It's either creative or critical. Hello, Adi. How are you? You wore a brown, you know, boot today. It looks, hmm. Why did you wear the boot? Two potential responses. Yeah, I wore the boot because it went, goes with my outfit. And two potential thoughts. Hmm. The boot. So you wanted to show off that you have a brown boot? Really? Why do you have to wear a leather boot? Why didn't you just wear something else? Critical. Yes. Another way is, oh, it, looks, it really looks good on you. You've got a good sense. I've got two other boots at home, probably in my feet. I saw two other boots at the boutique or at the shop the other day, and I thought about you. Depends on why you ask your questions. Why do you ask the questions that you ask, if you ask questions at all? Because there are some who do not even ask questions. Is that how it is? Okay, I will come. Oh, sit there. That's where you should be sitting right now. Okay. It is not, why do I have to sit here? Why am I always sitting here? Solomon saw that, well, you have to give one. It's okay. But what's wrong if we give a thousand? Is there anything wrong if we give a thousand offerings to God? Well, nothing is wrong. Then why not do it? And you see that at the same time, Solomon was rested. He didn't have any troubles. He didn't have struggles with his, with his enemies. You see, at that point, you become creative. You don't become creative when you are going through troubles. You know, some of us become creative when we are going through troubles. And then we start to make promises that we cannot even hold up to. You say, God, if only you can deliver me from this. All those tithes that I have not paid for the last one year, I'll pay them all at once. You are lying. Because once God delivers you, the same spirit that kept your tight away will still keep you where you are. Don't become creative when you are in trouble. Be creative when you are at rest. And that's why I always say, you only make investment and savings when there is no much need to take that money away, right? That's when you make investment. How about when you make your investment in prayers when there are no troubles around you. Yeah. 
right, when there are no troubles, when there's no particular need, that you pray, that your life becomes a life of prayer, right? As opposed to someone who always prays when there's trouble. Most of the prayers that we pray when we are in troubles are not prayer of faith. They are prayer that we pray out of fear because we need an answer right now. So God, come through, God, come through, God, come through. And then you start to quote, you know, um, scriptures so that you can tie God, rope God in with his word. You said, if I shall call unto you, you will answer. What have you done that he really needs to answer you? You understand that if your mind is not full of God, why do you want God's mind to always be full of you? He will all, his mind is always full of you anyway. But how about being innovative and bringing him first in your life and thinking about what beautiful things you could do for him? So there were people who were creative in their worship. Solomon was, David was, Moses was. But there were people who were creatively terrible in their worship. I'm going to mention two names and you tell me who was creatively terrible in their worship. Cain and Abel, who? Cain was creatively terrible in their worship. You see, when you read it in Genesis, it said the time of the year had come when they needed to present themselves before God, and both of them came. But God has always known that Cain was a tiller of the ground. God has always known. So would he have expected something else from him? Not really. God always knew that Abel was a shepherd, somewhat. So, of course, it's what you've got that you will bring. And some people go ahead and say, well, because Cain's sacrifice did not include a live animal that you can shed his blood. It's a lie. God always knew. God knew what they were capable of. However, when Cain came into the picture, he brought the standard. Abel came into the picture. He was innovative. What else can I bring? So he brought the best. So in his eyes, it was the best. You see, there are some things that we think is the best, but in your mind, it's actually not the best. You don't understand? You are giving it, but you just know you could do better. God is wanting you to challenge yourself to bring the better that you think you can do. You see, we cannot give God the best in his opinion, but we can give God the best in our opinion. And at times, even as I'm speaking to you right now, some of you, your mind is already going, am I really giving the best in my opinion to God? Who comes first? You or God? If I ask you to draw a pie chart and position God in that pie chart, What's the percentage God feels in the pie chart? Is it 5% or 95%? Are you innovative in your worship? Another person that was quite terribly innovative, negatively innovative, in the book of Acts was Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira saw every other person giving, just like we are in church right now, and people possibly are giving. And they're going, you know what? We want to be innovative. We want to do this and do that and do that. And Ananias and Sapphira, husband and wife, they came out and said, you know, we have a land and we can sell the land and give the proceeds to the church so that the work of God can move forward. And probably in church, everyone clapped, yay, like every other person, fantastic, well done. And then they went away, sold the land, and they realized that the land, possibly the value had just increased or, you know, gone, gone above. Probably it used to be $350,000 and now it's $500,000. So everyone knows that this size of land is usually $350,000 and now we've sold it for $500,000. Why not let us keep $150,000 and give the $350,000, which is the standard? Is that okay? Safira, is that okay? And Safira went, yeah, that makes sense. 
Let's do it. So they went to Peter and said, Peter, we've sold our land, and this is the money. And Peter asked them a question. Why would you even bother to lie to the Holy Spirit? So he went way above them. Why would you bother lie to the Holy Spirit? In fact, wasn't it in your land that you gave? They said, yeah. Before you sold the land, wasn't it yours? They said, yes. After you sold the land, before you brought the money, wasn't the money still yours? They said, yes. So why have you decided to lie to the Holy Spirit? You know, at times, one of the reasons that we lie in our creativity, or rather in our worship, is just because of the way we want to be perceived by others. We want to show ourselves to others, this, this is who we are. You know, I love the idea of lifting up your hands and worship God, but not when your heart is not there. You're deceiving yourself. Don't look holy or holy, because it's all in the look, and that's all you get, the look. Yet your life does not align with what you're talking about. It needs to align, and it's not difficult to make it align if you're always thinking about what can I bring? What can I bring? And I know in the last few Sundays I've been challenging you like this. And I do believe God wants us to grow spiritually. God wants you to grow. It's not enough to just attend church. It's not enough to say I'm a Christian. How Christian are you? You are a child of God, of course. But make it count. All of us together, we've decided on Fridays and Sundays, we, we, you know, we, we'll be at church. And we head. And we go, yeah, we'll be there. And then on Friday, you're not there. And it started off with this idea of you went there on Friday and you really feel bad that you went there. Then you miss another Friday, you still feel a little bad. And then you miss a third Friday, you feel just a tiny little bad. And all of a sudden, you don't even feel it at all. And then gradually, you start to miss a Sunday. And you feel really bad. And then gradually, you don't really feel bad anymore. If I were you, I'll be asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, why is my life like this? Fix me, help me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Are you still here? Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. Not a spirit of compulsion. Not a spirit of, oh, you've got to tell me, well, if I'm not at church, you've got to call me and ask me why, I'm not, why, why were you at church? It's humans that call you too. Aren't you human? Uh-huh. Are they more Christian than you are? Are they more God's children than you are? No. We ought to come to the point where our worship is innovative, where it's encouraging others in our lives. Let's be like David, who sees that things aren't working well. For example, we've had this seat, right? We've had this seat for how many years? Since the beginning of church here. So almost six years, we've had the seats. And can I tell you something? They weren't bought. They were donated. How nice are they? Right? Is it comfortable? But someone who is innovative will go, oh, hmm, how about? How about? But someone who is not innovative will go, why would you replace it when they're not broken? You get it? question is, can you leave these seats in your living room? For some of us, no. For some of us, possibly. And I'm only just using this seat as an example. There are other things in your life that you can do. Another example is, why should I attend call? I'm a Christian anyway. I already know the Bible. I already know as much as should be known. So why should I go um, attend a 
12 weeks course. That's too much. Why didn't they make it, you know, two days? Why do we have to sit down for long at church? Why do they even have to sing for that long? You see, when your question starts to go like that, watch where your life is going. Because it's about your lifestyle. It's not about how other things may look, but it's about how you position yourself to view God from that perspective. We are in this place for this community. We are in this place for this community. Why? Because we want God to shine through us in this community. Right? How many of us believe that? And how many of us want that to happen? Great. We need to reread our mission again and vision statement. But you see, we are here to impact our community. We are here to impact our community. Let's move forward. Let's be creative in our thinking. Let's be creative in our worship. Knowing fully whether we are not doing this so that people can see us, we are doing this so that only God can see us. And you know what God said to David? He said, David, I will establish your kingdom. I will establish it. And Solomon came into the picture. Solomon went ahead and thought, okay, no, um, we need to build a house for God, which my father already thought about. And we've got to make it work. He got first 70,000 people who cut wood, 70,000 just for a house, 70,000 wood cutters. And those are only just wood cutters. The people that were building were over 200,000 people just building one building. Professionals. Then he sent messages to all the governors or the kings in the region and said, we are building a house for my God and I want you to donate. You know what? They did. They donated. And know the last part. After he finished building the house, he brought out all the furnishings that his father has prepared. But what I want you to get here is we've always thought that everything that he needed to build the house was already supplied by David. It's not true. It's only the furnishings that were supplied. Only the furnishings. So in other words, David supplied the furnishings knowing fully well that his son would be resourceful. So he went way ahead of him. Supplied the furnishings. It's just like you don't have a house, let's say, and I'm buying you furnitures. In other words, I know that you will be resourceful to buy a house so that you can fit in the furniture. How resourceful are you when it comes to your worship of God? And I'll leave you with that question today. And can we just pray very quickly and say, Lord, open my heart so that I can allow myself to be used of you. Open my heart to think creative thoughts, innovative thoughts about how to carry your gospel forward. Some of us may have been called as missionaries or evangelists, however we've been called, but not all of us will be the same thing in the same place. We're all different. The calling is different. But in your calling, don't just stay in the standard. Look for ways to make it better. In Jesus' name. So Lord, I pray, oh God, that you continue to Open our heart. Let us see you as you are. And even much more than that, let us identify the gaps where we can creatively feel. Let our worship not be just worship. Let it not be what we do so that people can see. Let it first come out of our spirit so that the, the outflow from our spirit will be perceived by others. We we'll praise you, God. 
In Jesus' name, amen. The message you've heard was produced by the Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com, or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Transedge, a change is inevitable.